Uh, if you're ready for more of Jesus, somebody say amen. amen. Very good. Man, I'm so glad you're here today. Uh, we're going to start a new series this morning called Jesus Christmas List. And uh, as I begin to pray and seek God's word for uh, uh, this December season, uh, I was, you know, here in the sanctuary, I was praying and I was asking the Lord, God, what do you want to what do you want me to preach on uh, in December? And what do you want us to go into and what do you want to speak to our church? And so as just as I was about to begin to ask that, I said, Lord, what do you want me to, you know, do? I was going to say and I begin to say, Lord, what do you want? And I stopped. And I said, and I just paused. I was like, oh, Lord, what do you want? What do you want from us this Christmas? Not like, what are you, you going to give us? What do you have for us? What, what word are you going to speak? What special revelation are you going to give? But it literally was, God, what do you want? And I stopped, and I felt like that was the Holy Spirit saying uh, to, to this month, I think, Sanctuary, we're going to focus on what we can give to God this Christmas. How about that? You with me? What can we give uh, to Christ this Christmas. And what does Jesus really want from you and me this Christmas? You know, I, I think about, uh, you know, the, the Christmas season. You know, this isn't a new topic to understand. Uh, but, you know, many for many, Christmas involves racking up credit card debt, uh, or checking out, seeing that those numbers go down and down in our credit card or our bank account. And for some, it means uh, giving some change to the storefront bell ringer. Uh, it might mean for you watching classic Christmas movies that you and mom or dad used to watch and, you know, sitting under a blanket in the evenings. It might mean singing along to the radio, driving down the road as you compare your Christmas lights to your neighbor's Christmas lights uh, or something like that. Uh, it might mean uh, watching our kids open gifts that we all probably know they'll grow tired of in just a few months or outgrow. Uh, it might mean saying a quick, a quick prayer before eating with your family on Christmas Day, some of which we may or may not ever talk to throughout that year. I know that's how it is with my family. For us, it's, Christmas is a big family reunion. People I, I never see or talk to all year long will gather together. I think about Hollywood uh, and their portrayal of Christmas a little bit. Uh, the movie Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Anybody ever seen that? Okay, it's about a dad who's trying to get this one toy and it just everything goes wrong. And his whole the whole movie is about trying to get a toy to his kid for Christmas and and trying to discover what the meaning of Christmas is. Or you can think about the movie uh, Deck the Halls with Danny DeVito. And it's two guys, two dads fighting in a war over who has the best Christmas lights, you know. And I think you, you get the end of these movies and even Hollywood knows Christmas is supposed to be more right. It's supposed to there's something deeper there. And I was thinking if Hollywood knows this. How much more should the people of God, right? And how God-focused am I, are we, uh, really on Christmas? Uh, I think for, for even for myself, to, to take a moment of pause before we even begin December and think, all right, God, how involved are you really this month in my celebration of Christmas? How involved really are you uh, in my life? And what is it that I can give to you? Uh, this Christmas. And we're going to look a little bit. Our kids um, this month, well, at the end of this month, they'll be celebrating a birthday party. We're going to throw a birthday party. And they do that every year in our kids' department for Jesus. And uh, we're going to look this month at four things we can give Jesus for his birthday. Okay? We're going to look at four gifts over the next four weeks of what we can give him. And because it's kind of like this. Can you imagine going to your birthday party and everybody showed up and... Everybody got a gift but you. 
It'd be kind of interesting to think about if you went to your birthday party, invite all these people into your house every week and every week you gave them presents, but none of them gave you a present. Right. And so this is Christ's season. It's his, we're celebrating his birth. And uh, shortly after Christ was born in Matthew chapter two, some magi or wise men came from the east to worship this new king of the Jews. And following his star, it says they came to a house in Bethlehem and presented him treasures or gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And that's what he got on his, kind of after his birthday or on his birthday. But what does God want from us? If you have your Bibles today, uh, we're going to look at a little different passage uh, than a normal Christmas passage. But look with me in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. What does God really want from us? What does God require of us? And what gift can I give him this Christmas? What gift can we unwrap today uh, for this Christmas? Let me set this up in Deuteronomy chapter 10 real quick. Because this kind of goes with the Christmas story in in some ways. I'm going to try to pull this all together today. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 12. If you're there, somebody say amen. amen. Very good. I'm reading in the New Living today. But just before... Uh, they, uh, the children of Israel have gone into the promised land. Moses is standing kind of at the edge, and they're about to enter this promised land of, of what God's promises are for them, the land that God promised the nation of Israel. And Moses is standing there with a younger generation, a new generation of the people of God, a new generation of Israel. And he's calling them to remember the things that God had done in years gone by. And he's calling them to recount and and kind of Take a step back and let's just analyze why are we the people of God? What did God really do for us? And let's take an examination of how God, by His mighty hand, has delivered us. And then He wants them to understand what's the true meaning of being God's people and what is God really asking of you. Yeah, God gave you all these laws, but Moses wants them to say, here's how God delivered you and what is He really What does God really want from you? And Moses sums it up right here. And this is going to help us answer our question today. What does Christ really want from us this Christmas? Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. It's kind of a little long one here. I'm going to read the 21. Just bear with me. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases Him and love Him and serve Him with all of your heart and soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees I'm giving you today for your own good. Look, the highest heavens and the earth and everything in it all belongs to the Lord your God. Yet, the Lord chose your ancestors as the objects of His love. Think about that. And He chose you, their descendants, above all other nations. And that's evident today. So therefore, change your heart. Stop being stubborn. For the Lord your God is the God of gods. He's the Lord of lords. He's the great God, the mighty and awesome God. And He shows no partiality and He cannot be bribed. And He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. And so you too must show love to foreigners. For you yourselves are once foreigners in the land of Egypt. You must fear the Lord your God and worship Him. And cling to Him. And your oaths must be in His name. And here's verse 21. Here's our our chief text for today. Verse 21 of Deuteronomy 10. He alone is your God. The only one who is worthy of your praise. The only one who has done these mighty miracles that you've seen with your own eyes. So Moses reminds them of mighty deliverance and miracles he's done for them. And it kind of sets this stage for you and I today. Like Israel, 
you and I were lost in the slavery of sin, but God sent a mighty deliverer to pull us out of our bondage. We cry out for mercy. God sent His Son, born of a baby in a manger, and He comes and He removes the power of sin over our life. He removes the barriers of the law. He silences the slanders of the enemy, and He freely promises eternal life through the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. Man, we got an awesome deliverer. So what does this deliverer want from you today? Every day, every week, we're going to un- get this big box on the stage. And every week, we're going to unwrap something to kind of see what we could give Jesus. This is our present to Jesus. It's very heavy. See? No, not really. But what's in here? Are we ready? Let's just open this up here. Let's take a look again. What's that sound like to you? Praise, worship. Okay. I told him my sound, Sam and Brother Jimmy, I was going to mess with him. We're unwrapping the gift of worship this morning. What's the number one thing you can give Christ this season is worship and praise. He says in verse 20, he says, worship and cling to him. Verse 21, Moses says, he alone is your God. He's the only one worthy of your praise. He's the only one worthy of our worship. I'm going to break this out very simply this morning. What is worship? Who do we worship? Why do we worship? And how do we worship Him? Okay, are you ready? What's worship? Worship defined uh, in Scripture is this. Worship is the attitude and reverence to God. It's your attitude and reverence to God. At home, Beth has a little uh, joke with Ari, uh, our daughter. She's three. And so when she kind of starts acting up, we always say, watch your attitude. Anybody ever, your parents ever said that to you? Watch your attitude? Well, anyway, when, one way to get her to stop being that way is sometimes Beth will say, watch not your attitude. She'll say, watch your tude. And she just starts cracking up. And so I think today, if I was going to say something to you, it's that you need to watch your tude today uh, because your worship is your attitude and reverence to God. So watch your tude. It's, it's worship is based on this. It's how you give worth. The word worship comes from the word worth uh, with a T-H. How I might give worth-ship to God. How I place worth on Him, the value of Him, His glory. It's how I honor Him. It's how I express that worship, though, comes in uh, once based in the worth of God. It's expressed in how I bow my life to Him, how I serve Him in humility and obedience. And it's more than action. It's more than just singing songs of praise. It's more than just a song on a CD or standing in a pew or, uh, or you know, or in front of a pew, you know, and raising your hands. Uh, it's more than just singing along to the radio. Uh, worship uh, is, is a lifestyle of gratitude. Worship is a lifestyle of reverence, of confession, of prayer, of praise. Uh, it's a place of giving and obedience. That's worship. Okay, so we're redefining it today. And ultimately, you can sum it all up to say this. Worship is a response to a revelation of Jesus Christ. You say that with me today. Worship is a response to a revelation. That's right. It's a it's it's a response to a revelation of who God is. And so who is this Jesus? Who is he to you and me really today? Because let me tell you something. How you worship this Christmas says what kind of revelation you have. How you respond to Jesus, the announcement of His birth, has a direct correlation of your revelation 
of Him, okay? So it's about your response to a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. So I think so many Christians really don't have the joy of the Lord. They don't really have the praise of their hearts and their lips because they really don't understand what God's really done for them. Amen? They really don't understand who He is and what what peace He offers or what joy He offers or what things He's freely given. Otherwise, why are we walking around, you know, all sourpuss or, or worried or stressed or anxiety because we haven't really responded to a proper revelation of who He is and who we are in Him. So we say we know Him, but if we don't bow to serve Him, if we don't live a life of gratitude, of reverence, if we're not confessing our sin... We don't understand that God's a gracious God. Does that make sense? If we're not praising Him, we don't understand that God has won all my battles for me. If we're not uh, living in the peace of God, we don't understand that God, we can, we can cast all of our cares on Him. And that's where we come to worship. Worship is not just an action. It's a response to revelation. All right, so how many know who Jesus is? Somebody say amen. All right, so what is worship? That's what. Who do we worship? Who do we worship? Luke chapter 1, verse 32 The angel Gabriel shows up to Mary and he tells her, he says, you're going to have a son. He's going to be great. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, great. He's great. He'll be called the son of the most high. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David. And he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there'll be no end. So who is he? He's king. Who are we worshiping this season? You and I are worshiping the great king of the world. He's the great king of the universe. And let me just give you some scripture here, okay? Let me, I want you to just listen for a moment at who he is, okay? And uh, you're going to get a few of these today, of just some exhaustive. Uh, I've just kind of pulled a lot of scripture together. I just want you to be inspired today of who we worship. Ready? Scripture declares this, that the birth of Jesus is a mystery. He is the Son of God. He is both God and man. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And although he was human, born of a virgin, and took on man's nature, Jesus was never created. He is the eternal, the existent I Am. Scripture says he is the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And while he is the Son of God, he is also one with God because he is God. Scripture declares he's the Creator, the Word of God made flesh. He is holy, sinless, righteous, just, merciful, humble. Somebody say amen. That's a pretty awesome dude right there, right? And so because of who he is, the scripture says all worship will be given to him. Now, let me say this. It's going to be all worship, worship by angels, worship by demons and worship by men, women, man, boy and girl and child. It says every knee will bow. Those who are in heaven on the earth, even under the earth, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Somebody say amen. That guy is a little worthy of some worship, right? Can anybody compare to someone that says every person, angels, demons, men, people in heaven, under the earth, on the earth, they're going to worship this guy because he is holy, he's righteous, he's sinless, he's just. There's nobody like him. He's even before the foundation of the world, he was willing to be slain and come down and die for you and me. He's worthy. That should just make us go, wow, a little bit, right? We go through the little, you know, drive down the streets. We see a little major scene like what we have over here. And we, oh, that's so cute. Man, no, 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 no. This guy is worthy 
of all praise from everything, so much so that if you and I fail to even the rocks, the mountains, cry out worship to this great king that was born, a little baby in a manger. So who is he? He's King Jesus. So why do we worship him? So what is worship? Who do we worship? And why do we worship? What's the motivation? You think about that night on that that first Christmas uh, day, that morning. What's the motivation for worshiping this little baby? Okay? I think it's the same reason Moses was motivating Israel to worship. The same reason we see in Deuteronomy that Moses saying, hey guys, come on, remember all this stuff. Remember what happened in Exodus. Remember how God led us through the wilderness. Remember how God's given us the promise. Remember this great uh, salvation plan He has. At the announcement of Christ's birth, uh, Scripture says in Luke 1 that Mary proclaimed this about God, that He had mercy, He had strength, He had justice, and He had power of God. You know, I don't, uh, we, I don't think we go throughout our day take a lunch break at work and eat up your little microwave meal or whatever you eat, go by Sonic or something, and you're just think, sitting there with a coworker and thinking, man, the mercy and the justice and the power and the strength of God. But things had gotten so bad in little Bethlehem and Israel and Judea that they were longing. They had a real they had an understanding about how bad the world really was. These people were really longing for a Savior. They were longing, and uh, those that are in the Christmas story, these characters in the Christmas story like Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men, they all recognized that the world was in need of a great Savior King. They recognized the world's in need of a mighty deliverer, of a Christ or a Messiah, somebody who can rule the world and make right what was so, so wrong. And I think we can look around the world today and say, look at, man, look at the chaos in the world today. We need someone who is just and righteous and holy and merciful to rule over us and to take this world and fix. Uh, we need someone to fix what is so wrong. And so we can echo today what Moses was saying that this great, this awesome, this mighty God, Moses says, who made the heavens and the earth, when you realize it says that He chose you before the foundation of the world, that He chose you. And Moses says He chose you as the object of His love. Think of things, all the things that God could really be doing with His time right now. I mean, just think about it. All the things, you know, some of us maybe in this room would rather be playing golf right now or hunting or something like that. I think about God and, and, and looking at the world today, and I think... Is there any other place he'd rather be? I mean, it's like I'm so tired of the politics and God just was, I'm just going to go over here to Saturn and hang out for a while. You know, I mean, or whatever. You just think about it. But it says that God delights in you, his people. That there's no other place he'd rather be, even in the chaos of this world, but with you. So why do you worship him? Think about it. That this mighty deliverer chose you as the object of his love and so Moses says in 20, verse 21, he says, so he alone, church, he alone is our God. And because he's my God, and I can echo what the disciple says, I like Thomas, my Lord, my God, that you're my God, because I can say you're my God. It says in verse 21 that he alone is worthy of all of our praise. Every ounce of praise in my life. Why do I worship God? Here's the scripture for you. You ready? I'm gonna get a big, I want to see an amen after this. Okay. Why do we worship God? We worship because, number one, 
Jesus' birth is good news of great joy, the angel said, for all people. We worship because Christ came to reveal who God is and what His goodwill is for us. We came to worship Him because He gives us everlasting life. We worship because He announced the good news of God's redemption to the poor in spirit. He comes to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim the freedom for the captives, release the prisoners, comfort the mourning. He comes, we worship because He comes, uh, Isaiah says, He comes to end the gloom of us in distress, to shine a great light on us when we're walking and living in deep darkness. We worship become He came to bridge the gap, the Scripture says, between mankind's sin and God's holiness. We worship because He came to die for unrighteous men and women before they ever repented. We worship become because He came to end the limited covenant that was against us with religious works. And we worship because He gives us a better covenant through the grace and mercy of God. And we worship because He makes us a dwelling place of God's Spirit. And we worship because we can now live in right relationship with Him. And we worship because He comes to end devil and sin's reign and the power of hell and the evil in men's heart. We worship because He establishes justice on His throne forever. He ends murder, hate, war, famine, plague, suicide, pain, suffering, sickness, and death. Somebody say hallelujah. Who is a God... Like him. And when I look at my life, I say, Heath, are you worshiping because who he is? We forget so often in our busyness of life and all the things we got going on in this holiday, uh, this schedule of us, and we say, God, can I take a break and just worship because who he is? He's King Jesus. Who's a God like him who deserves? And just who He is demands my worship. And so we want to respond to a revelation of who He is. Amen? And so this, this Christmas season, what is worship? Who do we worship? Why do we worship? And how do you worship? How do you worship a king at his birth? In ancient times and even in modern times, people give honor and tribute uh, to newborn kings, you know, it was all the rave, you know, when these, uh, you know, uh, all these princes and princesses are born in England, you know, it's, it's a whole, the whole country gets in an uproar about it. And even in, in ancient times, people would come and give tribute and honor to these newborn kings and princesses and princess. And these magi come, these wise men come to worship him from a distance. And scripture says in Matthew 10 or 2 verse 10, it says they came with exceedingly great Joy. I love that phrase. I think it's even on our wall. Yeah, exceedingly great joy. And they brought these treasures to Christ. When I come to Christ this Christmas, what things can I, can I bring? What exceedingly great joy and what great treasures of my heart can I bring to Him? And what does He require of you and I today? What treasure can I give Him for all He's done for me? And what's most valuable to Him is our worship, number one. Worship is your heart's attitude and gratitude towards God. It's how you give worth to Him. Here's the problem, though. Israel comes, and just like in Deuteronomy chapter 10, Israel was powerless to fix the attitude of their heart. They were powerless to really worship God in the way that He deserves. So quickly, we forget 
Just like, you know, us today, how we struggle. I forget really who he is. I, I go about my day. I go about my business. I, I, I do think I do well by going to church and, 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 and you know, not cussing and drinking. We, we put all these rules and things and try to dress modestly and, you know, not watch the bad shows on TV. And we begin to get to give to the poor. And, you know, we try to be nice and hug people and, and all this kind of stuff. We don't flip people off when they cut us in front of us anymore. We got delivered from all that, right? Uh but but really, even Israel and all their religion did not fully give God the worship he deserved. They couldn't do it because they placed far more importance on their physical sacrifice. They began to place far more importance on the religious works to honor God. And their lives, the Bible says, didn't please God because they lacked the heart and mind for true obedience. So I'm telling you today, you should worship because of revelation. But there's a little bit more to it to that, than that than you have to get today before we go home. Because just because I tell you to worship God and who He is, it's not going to really change something on the inside of you uh, to make you worship Him. There's got to be a, a revelation uh, to a head knowledge of Him, okay? Uh, what I'm telling you today, it can't just end there. There's got to be that response. Well, Israel lacked that response. They couldn't keep His commands despite all their traditions, despite all the head knowledge of who He was. And Jesus shows up and grows up in Matthew 15. He says, you guys are worshiped me in vain because you teach doctrine as the commandments of men. So this attitude, this gratitude wasn't there in their hearts. They, they didn't have the tood right, right? They didn't have that. They had to watch their tood. And so, so this is why we have to do it. So Jesus shows up in John chapter 4, verse 23, talks to a Samaritan woman at the well. And he says, hey, lady, there is an hour coming and now is when true worshipers will rise up. And how will they worship the Father? They're going to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Look at your neighbor and say, spirit. Now look at your other neighbor and say, truth. Spirit and truth. So what does this really mean? Because this has to do with the revelation that I'm, I want you to have today in the Holy Spirit before we go home. Because if I just give you some words today, we say amen, go home, nothing happens. Uh, then we just kind of worshiped in vain today. All right. So spirit and truth. What does this mean? Here's what happens. To worship God rightly, to right, worship God with the right attitude, with the right heart, must be in spirit and in truth. And here's what this means. It means in the truth part, you must believe that Christ's blood forgives you of all sin. You must believe that it removes the barriers of all religious law against you. You must believe that it gives back your intimate relationship with God because the Holy Spirit now comes to live inside of you, and that's the Spirit part. So truth is in who Jesus is and what He's done through the power of His life, death, and resurrection. The Spirit part comes inside of you when you truly believe that in faith and respond to that revelation. And then the Spirit now is in us because we know that Jesus is the way the truth, and the life. So when you worship, now follow me, this is kind of, kind of deep, but when we worship now, we worship in the Spirit, and when we worship, we worship in Christ, okay? So in some, here's how, let me just pull this all together, because I know that's kind of confusing and a little uh, mind-blowing, but it really is this, it's an awakening or revelation to who Jesus is, the truth, birthed by the Holy Spirit living within us, so many people, I, I went to college, um, give, give me an example of why I'm, what I'm talking about. Went to college and I, uh, I, I took a lot of religious classes and I, secular I went to a secular college and I took a lot of religious studies classes. Many of my professors knew the Bible better than I'll ever hope to know the Bible. 
uh, but they did not know Jesus Christ personally. To them, it was a history book. They had all of the knowledge, but they lacked the spiritual revelation. Okay, And that's where it comes out in the, in the fact that you can know the truth, but the Spirit of God who lives within you truly gives you that revelation that makes you joyful because you really say, Oh, aha, I am forgiven. Oh, aha, I really do have peace with God. And the Spirit then begins to produce a joy in you that even when your flesh is being persecuted and it's tired and worn out and you're going through the muck and, and, and stuff of this life, the Spirit comes in and you say, but I have a joy, unspeakable joy that, that, that is in my soul. I, I, I do have this, this patience and this peace that's just filling me from the inside that I can't explain it because I'm worshiping God in spirit and in truth. So when you worship God today, it's not about you. You see, you couldn't save yourself. You can't keep yourself saved. It's the Holy Spirit living within you that keeps you in an awareness of who He is. And He leads you into holiness and He leads you into righteousness. But even Israel, even having all the head knowledge in the world, couldn't keep themselves saved. It had to get to a a born-again spiritual relationship. And if you want to worship God today, it's got to be because of a supernatural revelation wrought by the Holy Spirit about the truth of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Amen. Spirit and in truth. Let me sum it up like this today. Worship this Christmas is going to be remembering that like Israel, you and I were bound in sin and God delivered us. Can you do that this Christmas? Can you remember as you go about your business, I was bound in sin, but God delivered me? It's not only doing that, but it's knowing that religion and my good works cannot keep me or did not save me and cannot keep me saved. It's not my church attendance or my outward look or holiness. And all those things are good. That's not what saved me. It's the grace of God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 tells us that we are only saved by God's grace through this life-changing faith, this born-again experience of faith, not of our works. Otherwise, we would boast. You know what that means? Like Israel, Israel often boasted, even in the knowledge of God, often boasted that they kept themselves saved and that they were the ones that were keeping themselves in right relationship with God. So what happened? They began to worship themselves. You can come to church over and over and over again. We can get our act right. We can look right. We can sing the part. We have the best worship, the best programs, the best ministries. We can read our kids' Bible stories. We can put off alcohol and drugs and addiction and pornography and all that out of our lives. And we can begin to trick ourselves to thinking and, and that we are doing okay and that's us. And what happens, Scripture says, you begin to worship yourself instead. You begin to worship that religion or those works. But what we have to remember is I'm helpless and I'm hopeless without the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. There is nothing that I can do or did to get me into right relationship with God. It's only because Jesus' blood covers my sin, the Holy Spirit comes inside of me, and that now I'm a born-again child of God who wants to please Him. I want to please Him. So my life is now a response to the revelation of the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? My life is worship. Who I am is worship. I want to please God. I want to give gratitude. I want to put away unholy things. I want to dress modestly. I want to uh, share with my brothers and sisters. I want to give the missions because I'm responding to the magnificent grace of a little baby who was born in a manger, who's King of kings and Lord of lords, who's taken out murder and hate and adultery and, and all the suicide in the world. He's going to make it all right again. That's our response. 
So this Christmas, if you have true faith, you'll respond in worship. And so how can you worship? Real quick, I'm going to give you this three things. I'm going to close. How can you worship this Christmas? Number one, don't just sing some songs at church and don't just give money to a charity. That's a cop out. Those are good things. You know what that's like, though? You have that person in your family you really don't know what to buy for, so what do you do? You get them a gift card, right? I don't know what this person wants. I'm just going to give them a gift card. Don't give Jesus a gift card this Christmas. If you know who he is, give him what he wants. Figure out what he likes. Start giving it to him. Amen? He likes mercy. He likes justice. He likes worship. Don't give Jesus a gift card. Give him worship. Don't settle to go through this holiday season worshiping the wrong things either. Let's not worship the gift buying or the gift giving. Let's not worship the Christmas traditions. Let's not worship the entertainment. Let's not even worship church attendance. Let's worship Jesus. And so make it a priority this season. This is your homework for this week. Your gift. Each week we're going to unwrap a new gift. This is your gift to unwrap this week for Jesus. Make it a priority to give worth to Jesus by watching your attitude. Remember what He has done. Praise Him this week. Be thankful. Keep a holy reverence about you in stressful situations that may come your way this week. That will give worship to Him. Confess your sins to Him or in a trusted believer this week. Let's not forget to pray every day. Apply His Word every day. Even in the busyness of life and the stress of what's going to happen this week, make a priority to let your life show how grateful you are to our mighty Deliverer. This week, unwrap worship to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Worship team, would you come?